Good morning, actually, good afternoon. Sorry, it's that time of the year where I don't have to go in the morning, but just the afternoon, so it's uh, about uh, 12 minutes, actually more like uh, 10 minutes after one. And I'm headed out to the same place, just at a different time. Got shorter classes today. Anywho, uh, what's going on in your corner of the world? Uh, here in Japan, we're still fighting uh, COVID-19, and and uh, even though the country is more or less open, uh, there are still some fresh outbreaks here and there of uh, the virus. Uh, so it continues to spread, uh, albeit at a uh, reduced uh, rate, I would say, compared to the U.S., for example. I think uh, yesterday we had, uh, or maybe today, we have 10 new reported cases in a city uh, just about 30 minutes away from us. Um, uh, Japanese really about really good about reporting that stuff as soon as possible so that people can uh, be extra careful. Um, I, th I think it's just, a, it's just good to have a reminder to uh, do your due diligence do your part uh, to make sure that you don't spread the disease or get it from anyone else. But that's still an ongoing uh, situation here in Japan as it is in many parts of the world. But uh, we've been blessed to have it uh, be probably a much lesser problem here than other places. Some other places. It's probably worse than some places. So well, there's all kinds. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's one thing that's still ongoing here. Uh, the other thing is the uh, continuing uh, dialogue with uh, Black Lives Matter uh, in the States. And uh, especially what I want to discuss today is the accusation leveled against Black Lives Matter for being a Marxist organization. So I do want to talk about the organization today. I, I, I believe that the, the, the phrase, or the, the uh, it's not a logo, what do we call that? Uh, uh, the motto, sorry. Uh, the motto and the uh, movement happened before the organization, but the organization, for better or for worse, uh, has kind of taken over the narrative uh, at least in the minds of some. And so I want to talk a little bit about Marxist uh, uh, ideology. I think I called it theology a minute ago, but I, what I meant was ideology because Marxist himself, I believe, was probably an atheist or, or something close to it. Um, I got to listen to uh, something that is called uh, critical theory, uh, learn about, a little bit about. So I haven't studied this a lot yet. But basically the, the ideology that has come from a combination of Marxist philosophy and Freudian uh, psychology uh, is called um, critical theory. And as I understand it, and I don't understand it well, so this is this is for my benefit to kind of start talking through what I know about it, uh, and I hope that uh, if if some of you know more about it than I do, that you will uh, 
comment or send me an email or something. Um, but as I understand it, critical ideology is is the 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 desire to emancipate all people from sociological structures that enslave them. Okay, now there's a there's a more eloquent way, eloquent way to say that. I can't even say eloquent eloquently. There is a more eloquent way to say that, um, but that's 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 what I got from some reading and and then the watching of a video this morning. Uh, it's the the idea that there are hidden uh, social structures that enslave people. So it's not just individual choices that people make, uh, but there are actually systemic powers, if you will, that uh, conspire to enslave people in one way or the other. And enslavement can be described in many ways, whether it's uh, actual physical enslavement uh, or mental or spiritual or what have you. Uh, but that these powers uh, oftentimes are hidden. And so what critical theory aims to do is, is to uh, reveal or expose these powers for what they are. Uh, so that people can be released from their uh, oppression, if you will. Um, now that's it in a nutshell. Okay, that's a that's a very um, benign way of of talking about critical theory. I'm sure there are branches of it uh, and time periods when it was something more sinister. But generally speaking, that's all we're talking about. Now, what often comes uh, comes to head is the uh, the battle between collective responsibility and individual responsibility, right? Um, that that is usually the battleground, and of course, in America, that's going to be the main battleground. And so. Because Americans are so uh, averse to any any kind of collective uh, collective uh, conscious, right? Any kind of uh, idea that uh, there may be a collective way that we are thinking and and acting, uh, because that that kind of uh, lends itself to a caste system of sorts, I guess. Even though Marx was trying to, to get rid of the caste system, uh, I, think, I think if we were to, to look at the founding fathers of America and, then, and Marx and others like him, I think we'd find out that their, their goal for mankind was kind of the same. They just chose completely different paths to get there, uh, which was namely to uh, rid the world of the feudal type state of of Europe and many other places in the world uh, where people were born into a class or a caste and really had n next to, to no uh, chance of getting out of it. That your birth determined basically your destiny. Um, and this I believe this system to be a bad system and an evil system that rewards very few and, and punishes the masses. 
So I, I agree that the feudal system was not ideal, uh, mainly because it was always abused. Uh, I think, I think, um, sorry, I've got a fly in here. I'm trying to let out my window. Uh, I think that as uh, my uh, history professor in, in college, uh, John Thompson said, uh, I, I do believe that monarchy, a benevolent monarchy is the best form of government. I still, I still agree with that. I, I think that's a, that's a no brainer that if you can have uh, one great person in charge who, who has everyone else's uh, well-being in mind, uh, that he would, or he or she, would be able to more effectively take care of people because he could make unilateral, benevolent, mind you, unilateral decisions uh, that would affect everyone. So if you had an intelligent, uh, benevolent, um, honest monarch, uh, that, that monarch would be able to do the best job of governing people. The problem is all the monarchs failed in some way or another. And so, and so that's a, that's an impossible scenario. Uh, and it will be impossible until, uh, Jesus, uh, I think Jesus will be the perfect monarch one day and will, will, uh, rule the world benevolent, benevolently, uh, for everyone. Um, but, okay, that's, that's neither here nor there about today's topic, but, um, and so right now you have, as the, as the protests, uh, and BLM ideology is put out there, you have people taking a stand on the one side for a more collective, uh, systemic approach to righting the wrongs of uh, injustice. And then you have the other side, uh, which is, hey, we, we all just need to individually do our part. There's nothing systemic here that needs to happen. It's just that everybody needs to behave better and be nicer to everybody. That's all well and good. The problem is there are systemic things. There are, there are laws in place that are unfair laws and procedures that are unfair uh, in the way that they are um, exercised on the public. Uh, for example, did you know uh, that if you were to use and be caught with, let's say, you know, 100 grams of, well, that's a lot of cocaine, uh, let's say 50 grams of cocaine and you were caught with 50 grams of crack cocaine okay so crack versus cocaine which is essentially the same drug that if you have crack uh, your your punishment could be exponent exponentially higher uh, than if you were caught with just white powder cocaine uh, which there's no reason for that except the fact that, well, crack cocaine is associated mostly with the black community and, and, and powder, white powder cocaine is associated mostly with the white community. And there seems to be no other rhyme or reason for that law. 
There seems to be no other rhyme or reason for that law. And so therefore, that is a systemic thing that needs to change. The law needs to change because, because it unfairly targets the black population. That's what we're talking about. Now, that's not something that individually we're going to solve. We can't just all decide uh, that, that indiv as individuals that law, that law is bad and then not do anything. No, we have to collectively vote and get the right people in uh, office who will begin to try to collectively with other people in office to right that wrong, right? That's a systemic thing that needs to change and it's a collective thing. Right, it's a it's a it's a rule that that is applied to all of us and and was was made collectively. In other words, it it collectively punished a certain group of people um, unfairly, right? And so this this idea of critical theory uh, that it it it's idea is to free people by exposing the the hidden powers that enslave them right it's the emancipation of all people who are enslaved is the goal by exposing social structures hidden or not hidden right um, so on its face right on its face I, don't, I believe critical theory uh, to be a wonderful thing wow yeah we need that right in fact i think it speaks to uh the idea that you know paul has has talked about that you know our our uh our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the powers and the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms right the spiritual powers the, the there are hidden powers uh, that we know nothing about uh, that are attempting to enslave us, right? That's where our battle is. It's not with the other people like us who are enslaved, okay? Now, of course, critical theory, I believe, well, at least, uh, you know, foundationally, <laughs> at least foundationally, makes no sense. I think that it's an atheist or atheistic uh, philosophy. Okay, I, I, I think it is. I, I, I think one of the things that they, uh, that they do not uh, agree to are the idea of absolute truth. That there could be absolute truth out there, and there's good reason for them not to want to believe that because one of those hidden power structures uh, that mankind has been enslaved by is religion, and namely. Uh, the Western religions, Roman Catholicism, uh, and and many of the original, uh, well, all of them that exist today, in a sense, uh, are structures of power that, in some way, enslave uh, people. Whether they're in, enslaving financially, which they do uh, tend to drain people financially, uh, whether they do with guilt and shame, right? making them feel guilty for not doing or giving or something like that. Um, whatever it may be, religion is a weapon that has been used uh, to keep people in their place 
uh, forever. It's it's a it's a time honored tradition, right? Uh, and so I can see where uh, people who have been burned by that want to just throw out the baby with the bathwater uh, and just say, "Hey, no absolute truth." Okay, let's let's just uh, nip that in the bud right now. Uh, we don't believe in the idea of absolute truth. And actually, there may be there may be a kind of deconstructing that we all need to go through to where we say, I'm going to at least challenge everything that I think that is an absolute truth uh, and see if it does stand up to scrutiny. And I think that's a healthy thing. And, and I think that's what's one good... That is what... Uh, that is one good thing about critical theory is that uh, it it asks of us to challenge authority, right? Um, the founder of the Christian faith was a great challenger of authority. My goodness, right? Even though the Bible says all, all authority had been given to him, is given to him, right? Uh, he challenged the human authorities every chance, every chance he got, it seemed like. Right? Because he understood that there were hidden social structures uh, that were enslaving the people. And he said as much. And he, he explicitly said that almost that thing that I said verbatim. Okay? So, was Jesus a Marxist? Well, no, but I think actually maybe Marx, even though he may not have known it, may have... Uh, gotten some ideas from Jesus's playbook. Jesus understood that the social structures, the powers that be, the traditions, um, and the caste systems, and, and all of that, were things that were often uh, used to uh, get what the people in power wanted done. Now what the Bible teaches us, that even past these powers of humans, there are levels of uh, supernatural powers, um, what the Bible calls principalities in the heavenly realms, right? That there are, there are unseen powers and forces in the world uh, which, which we need to battle, quote-unquote, whatever battle means in that context. Um, but apparently that's where the real fight is. That, that, that Jesus says the real fight goes to those evil uh, heavenly powers. That until that happens, whatever is happening between humans is, is insignificant. Now I had a little... Uh, what brought me on to find these videos and, and listen to some stuff today, I had a little uh, Facebook battle. <laughs> as I want to do, uh, with a really good guy. Uh, he's he's the uh, younger brother, one of the younger brothers of one, of one of my best friends in high school. Comes from a really good family. Uh, he's, uh, he's a very intelligent guy. Did great in school. I assume he did great in college. Uh, he, he's in the military. I think he's fairly high up. Um, but I have a lot of respect for him and his family for sure, uh, most of which I'm still in at least Facebook contact to, uh, even now. Um, but, uh, you know, his thing is, okay, going back to the what's physically happening with the riots, 
his thing is if if you're using violence to try to tell me where you know what is wrong then I'm going to I'm going to have to stop the violence before I can before I can hear you I'm not going to put up with the violence right uh in other words, if you want me to listen to you, stop hitting me over the head. And on the face of it, this doesn't sound unreasonable, right? The problem is this is not something that just came up with the death of George Floyd. May he rest in peace. Mr. Floyd was simply one straw of many, many, many straws that have been uh, stacked on top of each other that, that are finally falling down or a house of cards if you will might be a better uh, metaphor um, it's amazing that things have gotten this far without a riot uh, or without more rioting and so my point to him was people have been trying to do things legally for years and years and years and yet systemic racism persists and has only in some ways gotten worse, it seems like, with uh, since the 80s with the war against drugs uh, and the uh, nearly unlimited militaristic resources given to the police to deal with their own population. The police forces declared war on the citizens since the 80s, since Reagan. It's pretty easy to see this if you just look at the history of how things unfolded and how the laws were put in place to uphold this system. The war on drugs was not a war on drugs, it was a war on black people. It was a war on the black population. It was another bid in a long tradition uh, of, of uh, actions uh, to keep black people down, to keep them in a somewhat subservient position. I know that's a cynical look at American history, uh, but American history is more than just the relationship between uh, white and black people. However, however, uh, how can we have any integrity in saying we, we are the best country in the world. And I still hear people say this and I just cringe, right? America is the best country on earth. Well, mostly from people who have never been to any other countries. But let's, you know, put that aside. How, how can we say that when, when we're having riots? That obviously there's been this resentment and tension that is built up to the point where now things are being destroyed. People are dying right um, best country in the world I don't think so um, how do you measure such a thing anyway how do you have a <laughs> the only the only the only judge would have to be somebody who's not part of the world right you can't unbiasedly uh, vote for that because everybody belongs to a country somewhere that's really not my point um, my point is this this 
this has been building up for a long, long time. They've been asking to have their grievances heard over and over and over and over. And over and over and over, we refuse to listen. And our refusal to listen to their grievances is now being heard as, we don't care. That's what it means over and over. It's, it's the same thing that happened with, with the presence of God in the temple. So God graciously decided to send his Shekinah presence, whatever that means. Uh, kind of hard to scientifically say that what that was, but his presence to the temple. And while his presence uh, dwelt in the temple, Israel had a certain kind of favor placed upon it. Whether it was the tabernacle or the temple or whatever. And the whole idea was that Jesus wanted his wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted his dwelling place to be amongst his people, right? Which are human beings, which at that point um, it was taken to mean the people of Israel. But the people of Israel, time and time again, refused to listen to God, even though his presence was right there amongst them. They refused to live uh, in the way that he prescribed. Time and time again, time and time again, they went their own way. They did their own thing. Uh, they ignored the Lord. And eventually, he understood that to mean, we don't want you here anymore. Right? Eventually, eventually, what you really mean by your actions will be understood. It will come out. And when that happens, and people take you at your word, you can't then complain that they do something which in your eyes is irrational. They had been telling you this for a long time. And they gave you the benefit of the doubt, right? The benefit of the doubt was given to you over and over and over. Sorry, I was thinking about my friend Brian and our talk. How hard it must be for a military man to have uh, an opinion uh, that might go against the orders he's given at some point uh, to be the punishing arm uh, of a tyrannical government, an oppressive government. It's got to be hard. Um, and I, I feel like, I have to feel like he's wrestling with that. But it's hard, right? When your job might come in conflict uh, with your conscience, it's very difficult. Another reason why I don't think Christians should serve in the military. Uh, and I think if any Christian is ever put in that position, 
that they should just resign the job, no matter what it is, no matter how much they make, no matter what the cost, uh, unless unless you can safely uh, disobey an evil order, then just get out. Just get out of there. Don't even look back. Now, I think there's forgiveness for everybody on, on the other end of that. It doesn't have to be asked for. It's you're completely forgiven. The only question is not about are we are we going to be saved eventually? To me, that's really not the question we're talking about today, or ever. I believe final salvation is a given. Um, the question is, are we going to be a part of? the coming of the kingdom of God now on earth? Are we going to be able to help it go forth? Whatever that means. You know, whatever platform you may have uh, to do that, um, I think it's, it's fine. Like I said, it doesn't matter. There's forgiveness on the other end. And I think Jesus will take care of it all one day. Um, but that doesn't mean that we are not going to be hurt or cause hurt in this life now. Um, we could usher in the reality of heaven into people's lives today. We can help lift their burdens now. We can introduce them to this God who, who has nothing but love for them. Uh, and and has and is preparing a future, a bright future, a beautiful future for all men everywhere. One day these problems that we're facing now will be gone. They'll, they'll disappear like dust in the wind, right? Um, but it still hurts now. You know, we still have these 70 or 80 years to live now. where we could be a part of bringing healing to people, bringing relief, helping relieve their burdens. I don't think people should be afraid of critical theory. Uh, any more than you should be afraid of questioning what you believe and what you've been taught to believe. Uh, if you have never questioned your beliefs, then you don't know what you believe. I'll say it again. If you have not questioned what you believe to be true, what you think it is true, if you've never questioned the truthfulness of what you believe, if you've never explored, investigated, challenged, dissected, your belief system, then you don't know what you believe. You're just a robot. You're just an echo chamber. You're just a parrot. Deconstruction is a great thing that we should all go through um, as often as possible uh, because the world continues to throw lies at us. 
and and I think it is those those powers that be that want to keep us in those lies who don't want us discover, discovering the truth why that is I don't know something I'd like to figure out uh, well I've only got about five minutes before I get to my school so I think I will start to ratchet this down a bit uh, I thank you guys for listening always sorry about the noise in the car today I've got a lot of rain and stuff going on um, Please don't be, don't be so quick to to judge uh, movements, especially movements that are fueled by people in pain and people who are angry, people who are willing to get arrested or even die for their ideology. There's got to be something there that's real. People don't die for no reason. People will not. Uh, you know, endanger, endanger themselves where they can be injured, imprisoned, or killed for no reason. They won't do it for no reason. Not a rational person. So if somebody is saying something, and especially a group of somebodies, are saying something in a way that they are risking, taking a risk in saying what they're saying, we need to listen. It's unintelligent not to listen. And we need to listen until we understand. And until we understand, uh, we need to be patient and give people the benefit of the doubt that, hey, maybe there's something real here that we need to address. God forbid. Anyway, uh, I think my rant's done for today. Um, glad that uh, Jesus is going to take care of everything on the other end uh, but I pray that uh, those whom he has touched on this end will continue to, to bring his deliverance uh, his deliverance from oppression uh, his uh, deliverance from uh how is that put? I've talked about it before. Uh, the tyranny of certainty. Right? That we have to be absolutely right about everything. Um, people need their burdens lifted. And that's really what all everybody wants. We all want our burdens to be lifted. We all want a chance at, at peace. At happiness. We want to see our children grow up. We want to see our children have an equal chance at a bright future, right? If, if we can do whatever we can do to make sure that our kids have a, a fair shake, I think we're gonna do it. And if we're only, care, only concerned about our kids but other people's kids, what does that make us? Selfish, for one. And unfortunately, right now, it looks like white. It looks like a lot of white people are on that side of the fence. And I hope it's a lot fewer people than I think. Um, 
but it just makes us look petty and selfish. Uh, and I'd rather not have a part of it if I can help it. So Black Lives Matter. Look into it. If you don't agree with the organization, that's fine. Uh, but the movement is legit and it's true. Uh, and it is uh, self-evident that black lives do matter. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.